0: we uh, gathered here uh, to, for a memorial service for Joe Rinaldi. And uh, I wanna say, first of all, thank you to all of those of you who were involved in helping with all the details, especially the meal afterwards. Uh, for those of you that participated in other ways, thank you very much. Uh, I'm sure Joseph and Lynn really appreciate that and um, uh, we had a a a good time together i i believe so continue to pray for lynn and joseph as they uh, continue to grieve and ask for god's comfort uh, and peace to reign in their hearts and then uh, we mentioned to you last week that bob and joan mallory We will be holding a memorial service for them here on Saturday, July 3rd. Now, Bob passed away about a year ago, just at the very beginning of the whole COVID mess. And um, uh, so they had hoped to be able to have a memorial service about a month or so after that, but we all know the rest of that story. And then uh, Joan, his wife, just passed away uh, about three weeks or so ago. And so the family will be coming here, and we will be holding memorial service for Bob and Joan on July 3rd, uh, just so that you know. Some of you may not even know the Mallories, and uh, they were longtime members here, but uh, just so that you can be praying. And for for those of you that are in my class, we're not going to meet today. Uh, I I just am struggling with this cold thing, and so just so that you know, I'll be in touch during the week, and we'll... We'll go from there. So if you'd open your Bibles with me, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And uh, we begin um, a study in these three chapters. Chapters 8, 9, and 10 all connect. And um, so we're going to do that. But we're going to look at uh, about the first half of chapter 8 today. Uh, 1 Corinthians 8, chapter, uh, chapter 8 and verse 1. And this is what Paul says, now about food sacrifice to idols. Now about, and, and we've seen that a couple times before now in our text. In fact, back in chapter 7 and verse 1, we read, Paul said, now for the matters you wrote about. And as we've talked about that, starting there at chapter 7, Paul begins a different approach in his writing of 1 Corinthians. Now he is responding to answering questions that the church people had sent to him via a letter. We don't have that letter. We don't know exactly what was in that letter. Other than that we know that there are some questions that pop up in the scripture. Chapter 7, verse 25. We looked at uh, last week, now about virgins. Well, that was a change, kind of the still the marriage study, and yet a a, a different direction. And and that's what that was, because they had asked specifically about, we believe, that that was women who were engaged at that point. And Paul went on and talked from there. So now we begin chapter 8 and verse 1, now about food sacrificed to idols. And so there's another subject introduced to us here in the text. And as, and as we think about this, food sacrificed to idols, the culture in the city of Corinth included the worship of idols. That was part of all the mess that was going on in that city. Uh, idols, shrines, temples all over the place. That was just the way of life in the city of Corinth, as it was throughout much of Greece. We read that in Acts chapter 17 in the city of Athens. The same thing would have been true. Um, and so, idol worship involved offering animal sacrifices in pagan temples to so-called gods now those aren't my words those are Paul's if you look at verse 4 that's what Paul says he repeats himself from verse 1 but so then about eating food sacrificed to idols we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world and that there is no God but one I want to come back to that but uh, uh, actually oh verse 10 I'm sorry was where I wanted to see you have you see that so-called gods For if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrifice? And I can't find that verse. What in the world? Oh, there it is. Verse 5. I'm sorry. Thank you. For even if there are so-called gods. I don't know why I put verse 4 in my notes, but there it is. Thank you. Verse 5. Yes. Even if there are so-called gods. Well, there were in the minds of those who were involved in idol worship. And we're going to see later on in chapter 10 that Paul talks about this as being worship of demons. And uh, there was a a very, uh, that was a big deal. But we're not there yet in chapter 8. And we'll move through and all this ties together. So as we go through this and understand that idol worship involved offering animal sacrifice in their pagan temples to their so-called gods whether it was wood or stone or whatever it may have been. And uh, some of the meat that was then offered was burned as part of the sacrifice in that temple. Some of the meat then also was eaten in the temple as part of the worship of those idols, part of that ritual. But there were leftovers. We all love leftovers, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you know, well, this is a, Quite a different kind of leftovers But there were leftovers And the leftover meat was taken by the pagan priests And the individuals who brought that animal To be sacrificed And uh, it was taken home by those individuals Who brought it uh, to eat at home Or it could have been sold in the marketplace Or in verse 10 And here's where I wanted to point to that It could be eaten Socially, uh, we're told without any religious connection whatsoever. And so there in verse 10 we read, For if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge eating in an idol's temple... Won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to the idol? So they would eat it too in the idol's temple. And we will understand as we move through this text, and we're not going to get all the answers today because it's tied up in these three chapters. And it's critical that we. Take it all together because there's going to be a question in your mind. And in fact, I'd encourage you these next few weeks to read through chapters 8, 9, and 10 together. It will help you to get a picture of all of what Paul is talking about. And you need to read carefully because you're going to see what Paul says at the end of chapter 8 when he basically says, hey, that's an allowable thing, though he gives the answer, I don't think you should do it if it causes a, another brother or sister to sin. But on the other hand, later on he says, don't do it. Why? Because you're worshiping idols. Now wait a minute, which does he mean? Is he changing his mind? What's going on here? Well, we'll, we'll cover that and we'll get to that. But as we look at that here, that is the way that meat that was offered to idols was used. Now remember this, folks, that many of these believers in the church were very, very new in their relationship with God. Three to four, maybe at the most five years old in Christ. Some some younger than that, maybe brand new believers as they were there because the church was growing. Paul had spent about 18 months there in Corinth building the church. And so that's what was happening. But they didn't understand all of what you and I made today if you've been saved uh, any length of time. And so the question at hand is, is it okay to eat this leftover meat from sacrifices to idols? Is that all right? Now, just think about that if you were to hear that question. and somebody was to say to you, I mean, would that be a good thing? Right away in your mind, there's going to be questions because you're, w- w- wait a minute, what? This is something that was offered to an idol uh, in pagan worship in, a, in, a, maybe in, in, an, in an idol's temple? Uh, I, I don't, I'm not sure about that. Well, there were those who didn't have a problem and there were those who did. And so, as we move through this, this is what the question is all about. And we're not going to be able to completely answer to this question this morning because, again, the question and the answer is spread out over chapters 8, 9, and 10. And we're going to look at that over the course of these next number of weeks. So be sure to read ahead. Read up on that and compare and see what you see the difference is when Paul seemingly contradicts himself or gives a different answer to, uh, to the situation. That also means that there are not simple answers. And, and we've got to pay attention and work through this. Now you may be thinking, okay, wait a minute, Glenn. <laughs> All right. Uh, what does meat? Offered to idols Have to do with me In 2021 Um, You know It's I don't know anyone Who is dealing with this issue I don't know of any friends When I go to their home Have to hide the meat Because it was offered to idols Right I don't know of anybody really That this is a problem to Uh, And it's not a question that's been on my mind. Well, not so fast. I don't know if you saw the paper this morning, but Weiss Market, Geraghty's, and Wegmans just announced that they will be selling meat that has been offered to idols in the day-old section. I'm I'm glad you responded that way. I thought for a minute, oh no, you know What? I'm, we're just kidding in all of this, and, and, and yet, you know what, that's one of those things that with all that's going on in our culture today, some of us would say, well, I'm not surprised, right? And, and yet, no, no, absolutely, that's not what is happening. Uh, however, as we think about this, let me ask you some questions. Are you familiar with the term gray areas? Ever hear gray areas before? All right. Okay, what does weaker brother, stronger brother mean? You've heard those terms, and uh, we talk about what that means. We talk about, well, who is a weaker brother? Who is a stronger brother? You need, as you read through these three chapters, to look for those terms. Make sure you're reading carefully because you may not find the terms that you think you will. So read carefully. Have you ever watched another church member do something that you thought was wrong? And wonder, are you kidding me? What do they think they're doing? Who do they think they are? What's going on here? Or has your conscience bothered you when you were doing something that you thought was questionable? Questionable. You began to participate in something. You began to, to pursue something, whatever it may have been, and all of a sudden, there's something heavy in your heart or there's something in your mind that's just this voice. Maybe you, know, I'm not saying you're hearing voices, right? But you know what I mean? And, and all of a sudden, you're saying, man, my conscience is really, wow. I, there's a little bit of guilt or question or what's going on and so maybe that what about Christian liberty in areas that are not spoken of as right or wrong in the Bible how do we make those decisions how do we choose the right thing the thing that would glorify God are you with me so it may not be meat offered to idols and no not that I know of the day-old section in any of our stores in northeastern PA doesn't have meat offered to idols, so don't go looking, right? But, but the idea is these are the kinds of questions that will come into play in the next three chapters of 1 Corinthians. So today I want to look at two factors that Paul tells us must be considered before we can actually, accurately, biblically answer the question, is it right? to eat food, meat, that has been sacrificed to idols? Or maybe more in keeping with where we are today, how do I decide if something is right or wrong if the Bible doesn't specifically say one way or the other? So let me read with you uh, the first eight verses of 1 Corinthians, or first six verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, starting at verse 1. Now, about food sacrificed to idols. We know that we all possess knowledge. Notice the quotation marks around we all possess knowledge. But knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. But whoever loves God is known by God. So then, about food sacrificed to idols. We know that an idol is nothing at all in the world. And then there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on, or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, one God, the Father from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord Jesus Christ through whom all things came, and through whom we live. Now there it is, the first six verses. That's what we're going to deal with. And there are two factors that Paul brings to our attention that we must consider as we look for an answer to this question. So we're not going to get that answer today, but in a sense we will because it's going to be the things that we need to think about when we're trying to answer that question about meat offered to idols or about those questionable issues, those gray areas, those areas of weaker brother, stronger brother, or the Christian liberty things, or where is your conscience being moved, and is that really the Holy Spirit of God, or is it just the bad pizza you had last night? I I don't know what that may be, but as we consider that, that's where we're going to be looking. And so here we go. The first factor that we must consider in looking to answer that question, the meat Offered to idols is found in verse 1 And we know that, quote, we all possess knowledge Quote, the first factor is, the, is that of knowledge Knowledge The words are in we all possess knowledge are in quotes Because we believe that it's from the letter that the church wrote to Paul Paul is lifting that phrase right out of the letter that the Corinthians sent him and he's referring to it. So he says, "Yes, we know that we all possess knowledge." And that may have been kind of a slogan or a cliché for the for the Corinthians along the way, but the knowledge which that knowledge, the knowledge that we're reading about here that we all possess knowledge which for the believer, knowledge is God-given. It comes from the Word, right? It's also ought to be Spirit-directed. And we're going to see sometimes it is not Spirit-directed because sometimes we use that knowledge in ways that God never intended for us to use that knowledge. And Paul's going to address that with the Corinthian church. But as we look at this, this knowledge found right here in verse 1, I believe is... Is probably the th- what Paul is talking about in verse four. This knowledge, what? Well, look at verse four. He repeats, "So then, about food, eating food sacrificed to idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world, and that there is no god but one." He's that's the knowledge. I think probably I that's the most likely. Representation for the knowledge in verse 1 It's right there in verse 4 We know that an idol is nothing at all in the world if, if we were to talk about that If you were to go somewhere To visit some cult shrine or whatever And they had stones or rocks or wood Or trees or animals or whatever That, that people were worshiping You and I would say well, We know that an idol is nothing at all This, this isn't a god We would know that, and that's the knowledge that they had, he's saying. That's God-given knowledge. And then he says, and then we would also know that there is no God but one. So what's the deal about the knowledge? Well, I want you to look with me to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, Deuteronomy chapter 6, because as we talk about this one God statement that Paul is making here, when he says we know this knowledge that there is one God, I want to remind you that's nothing new. But he's reminding the believers there in the church at Corinth That there is one God. And here's what he says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 9. And and these verses ought to be a little familiar to you. Because I read them to our four moms and dads up here with their children last week. Now, maybe in some of the um, movement on the platform, you missed that, but... uh, but that's okay, because here it is again. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, right off the bat. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. There is one God. Our God. The God. The God you and I know. And he goes on. Love, verse 5, love the Lord, the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Verse 6, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. What is Moses telling us? What is the word of God telling us? That there is one God. And because there is one God, folks, we need to live differently. If there is a God that we call the God, the one and only God, and, and there is, that's what Paul's reminding the believers in Corinth, the idea is that ought to have a distinct impression on us. It ought to set us who know the one God, who have put our faith in Jesus Christ, it ought to set us aside as different from everybody who doesn't. And folks, that's got to be most people in this world today. And the big deal about this is we, would many of us here say, I know Jesus, I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ years ago. I put my faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross who loved me and gave his life for me, willingly, voluntarily hung in that cross in my place To pay for my sin And I believe that he died And that he rose again Proving that he was God And I want him to change my life Forgive my sin Folks, I'm going to guess Every one of us here who would say I know Jesus I'm a follower of Jesus I've put my faith in Jesus I'm gonna think that every one of us would acknowledge that in our lives. But the people around us know we're different. I don't mean weird, I don't mean obnoxious, but they know that we know and love the God. Paul says, he goes on, he talks about verse 6, yet for us there is but one God, the Father from whom all things came. What does that mean God is? The creator. And that he came as we we continue on, from whom all things and for whom we live and there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ Christ through whom all things came, and through whom we live. He's calling God the creator. He's saying that Jesus, the creation, came through him. Well, we, we understand that. How about John 1, 1? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. We understand all that, and we go into creation. We go to, we go to Colossians 1. And that God is the creator. We, we go from there. He's the sustainer of life. He's the one who holds everything together. And we read in Scripture that God and our Savior Jesus are one. They are the one God. Yes, the Trinity, the triune God, three in one. Here, Paul's not talking about the Holy Spirit, but he's saying Jesus is God. Why? Because they're building the church. And Jesus is the Savior, and He's God. He's the one who can forgive their sins. So that's changed. That's transformed our lives. Folks, do people see that in us? Or do they just see all the knowledge that we talk about? Because Paul is saying here, we know that there is only one God, not many gods, Idols, who mean nothing, the so-called gods. And, and the so-called God, he means in comparison, there's no significance whatsoever. He knows there are those gods that people say they worship, but they're not real. And what we call this is monotheism, that there is one God, mono. I'm not wearing my glasses today because I have, I don't know, they used to call them trifocals, now what do they call them? Progressives, right? And, and you keep you, always going mm-hmm. and, and so I I, I don't know what Last time I went to the eye doctor My doctor told me he, my eyes got stronger That's why I can't read my with my glasses I'm like wait a minute I, I just had a birthday back in December I'm getting older Your eyes are getting My eyes are getting better yet yeah, That's what happens Sometimes Some of you may be going what? So I had my Glasses on that are supposed. I think it's down at the very bottom, you know. And and I couldn't read my Bible. I had to take them off. So now all I see out here, I do see faces. Terry, that's you, right? Okay, yeah. All right, got it. Right, Paul. Right, yeah. All right, good. I, I see. I can see that that good, but but mono. See, bifocals would be two. Tri would be three. But there are not two or three gods. There is one God pantheism, many gods. No! Folks, we say we believe that as followers of Jesus and that one God focus sets us apart as followers of Jesus and it ought to so show up in our lives by the way we talk, by the way we act, by the way we live, by the way we think that people ought to see it in our lives. I mean the people that you are regularly with. Now I I think, well, what about that person who you just meet once in a while in the grocery store lane? Well, I think they could see it too. You know, you've heard all the stories about the bottom of maple and right? Right down here at the high. We all know, well, people can see Jesus in us or not. And and folks. Here's my point, we are the people of God who are distinct from all other idol and God worshipers. And Paul is saying, we know this to be true and that distinction must show always in our lives and it doesn't. So much so that the longer time goes by, the sooner we are getting To the Lord's return. The closer we are getting to the Lord's return. It appears that there's less and less and less of a distinction. And yet we say we believe the one God. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2. I got hung up in the text here this week and I just... Couldn't just keep plowing through Because what Paul is talking about As one God We know there is one God And that these idols don't mean much That has to show up in our lives And I, and I thought God brought to mind 1 Peter chapter 2 And, and verse 9 but you are a chosen people. Listen to who we are. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you know Jesus, if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, this is your identity. If you are worshiping that one God, this is your identity right here. You are a chosen people. God chose you. And we believe. We are royal priesthood. A holy nation. God's special possession. Wow. The one creator, all powerful God. We are his special possession. Each one of us. Does that stir your soul? And then he says, why? So that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you would not receive mercy, but now you have received mercy. That's what Paul is saying here in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. There is one God and that ought to affect the way you live your life and the way I live mine. Look at verse 11, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles in this world, we don't have a home here. The old song, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through. Problem is we have laid down too many foundations. And we forget that we're just passing through and we're spending a lot of time putting our Energy and resources and all that we've got into stuff on this earth That isn't going to last or mean diddly squat For those of you younger, that word, you'll have to look it up (laughs) Google it As foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul, live such good lives. Here it is. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Why would they glorify God? Because they see how we live our life. They see that we're a one God person. A one God family. We are a one God church and that one God has made all the difference in our lives and we say that over and over. We nod, oh yes, we give assent to that. We affirm that truth and and yet we don't regularly live like it's true. Say, man, Glenn, you're fired up. Yes, I am. I am sick and tired, folks, the whining and complaining about masks and vaccines and about our freedoms and everything else when we got a world full of lost people out there that we're supposed to be living before as those who know the one God and saying, you know what? how hard it gets, it doesn't matter because we're going to buy our lives stand for Jesus and not be distracted by all kinds of other stuff. We are distinct. We are different. People must see Jesus in us because we are one God people. Now back to verse 1. We all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up. Well, we know that. We, we, that's a, we like to quote that statement. We need to be careful about quoting that statement because that's, typically we quote it not in the way that, that Paul used it here. We all know that knowledge puffs up, and it does. Knowledge that is used wrongly. Knowledge that is used to beat people down. Knowledge that is used to put people down. Knowledge that is used to humiliate people because they're not as knowledgeable as we are. Or they're not as strong in their faith as we are. And and that's one of the concerns that Paul had in the way that some of the believers were treating some of the other believers. Knowledge puffs up. Knowledge used wrongly causes pride and arrogance. Verse 2, those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. Let me, that sounds a little muddled, it's not, but here's another translation. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. I remember when I finished my freshman year, actually it was my first year, but it was my sophomore year at Bible college. Spent the year studying and I remember how I knew everything when I came home that summer. And I wanted my sister especially to know who went to a college that I didn't think was a very good college. So I made sure she knew that I knew all the answers. But Paul says not everyone has this knowledge not everyone knows that there is just one God look at verse 7 but not everyone possesses this knowledge some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat sacrificial food they think of it as having been sacrificed to a God and since their conscience is weak it is defiled there are still weak believers who don't get the one God thing And yet these believers here who had this knowledge or so they thought, Paul says, you really don't know as much as you think you do because if you knew what you say you know, you wouldn't be treating God's people like they're being treated right here. That's what he's saying. And that leads us to the second factor. Paul transitions right into the second factor. First factor that we've got, we've got to have knowledge. We've got to know who we are. And we've got to make sure that we use it, that knowledge properly. That we don't use it in a way that puts people down who don't know what we know. And he transitioned to the second factor at the end of verse 1 when he says, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. While love builds up. Verse 3, whoever loves God... Is known by God love builds up and the reason love builds up is because as Paul says whoever loves God is known by God in other words for you and I who know Jesus we love God and then he says and that means you're known by God what's Paul saying he's saying you're a believer That's a word, a phrase that has to do with being saved, about being redeemed. It's a a word that has to do with being chosen, that you've been elected. Don't cringe, folks, with that word. It's a Bible word. It's a Bible truth, a Bible doctrine. We've been chosen in him before the foundations of the world. Amen? Yes. Yes. And that's what Paul's saying, and he says those who love God have been chosen by God or, or, or are known by God. It's a reference to our re- election, our redemption, that God chose us for salvation because we are known by him, we can love God. That's a, that's, we're devoted to God, we give it all to him, and as we'll see, that means also that's the only way we can love God's people. We can't love God's people if we don't love God. If we're not known by God, if we haven't been saved, if we're not believers, if we're not one God people, we can't love one another. That's why when Jesus asked what are the first, what's the first great commandment and then what's the second, and he said, well, the first is love the Lord your God. We read that in Deuteronomy 6. With all your heart, soul, and strength, and mind, The second is like and love your neighbor as yourself. You can't do that if you don't love God first. If we aren't one God people, but folks, we are one God people, and yet many times the love does not show. The critical, bitter stuff that comes out of our mouths, out of our hearts, that's what Jesus says. The stuff that God's people say on Facebook and Twitter, who, man, I'm glad I don't do that stuff. I mean, Facebook and Twitter. You see, John said in 1 John 4, 19, that we love because he first loved us. That's the only way we can love. Jesus himself told us, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so that you also love one another. And then verse 35, by this, what? Our love for each, by this will all men know that you are my disciples. By this will all men know that you are followers of Jesus. How? If you love one another. And that's just one of those things we sang about it today. John read some scripture about it today. And we talk about how we, yes, we know we need to love one another, but people, we don't do it. The things that we say behind people's backs and the things that we accuse people of that we've never even talked to. I I, I read an article a couple weeks ago written by an individual In one of the magazine, Christian magazine things, it was talking about how evangelicals are viewed as fools in our world today. People who know Jesus because we got people who are deconstructing their faith, giving up on their beliefs in Jesus, walking away from what they were taught, saying one thing over here, doing another over here, and, and we are not being viewed as one God people, folks and i and I know this world is headed the wrong direction, but guess what that's part of God's plan. He doesn't cause people to sin, but we know the end of the story and I don't like it either. we hear about it, we see it there's all kinds of stuff and i've I don't know how many letters and emails and texts and phone calls I've made I made a phone call this past week to one of our senators about something and I'm like I'm doing that because I I can but I'm like what good does it do and then I'm thinking okay but you know what in a sense God's got this God has this, and we need to be living our lives for the glory of God. Do what you can do. I don't know if it's going to make any difference or not. Let's stand up for truth when we need to stand up for truth. But folks, there are people all over the place who need to see that we're one God people, that we love one another, and that Jesus is in our hearts, and that these people need Jesus. Jesus. So what's it all say? Well, it's be like Jesus kind of love. That's what Paul's talking about. And we get down in conclusion to verse 8 and we read, but food does, excuse me, verse 9, be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. Be careful. Yeah, we're big rights people, aren't we? That's not fair. I have my rights. You're violating my rights. And, and, and here's what Paul says. Be careful that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. That's what matters more than our rights. Verse 13, therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall. Wow. Never eat meat. And Paul has has basically alluded to the fact that they could. It was their right. He doesn't say so-called right. He said, yeah, you have the right. But if it's going to cause my brother or sister to fall into sin, I'll never do it. Why? Because God loved me. And when he loved me and chose me and saved me, he gave me the ability to love him first with all my heart and then told me that I need also to love my neighbor as myself. Now that's how it begins and before we can even answer those questions about right and wrong, weaker brothers stronger, gray areas, we've got to make sure we know the truth and we live it And secondly, that we're loving one another. That's what Paul says. And I close with this reminder, we've said it, I'm going to guess just about every week, if not every week. God's holy people need to be who we already are. We've been declared holy. We've got to live holy lives. Father, thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for providing forgiveness of sin. God, we don't deserve your love. We don't deserve all that you've done for us. In fact, we deserve hell. That's what you tell us in the Bible. But God, you sent Jesus to die so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be transformed completely, so that we can know that we are one God people. Oh, God, help us in this difficult, difficult, hard day in which we live. That's only getting harder. To be the holy people that you've declared we already are. To live so that people see that one God in us so that we can proclaim Jesus Christ as the soul and the light. God, help us to be that for your glory. And if there's any here today who just do not know the one God, Jesus, I pray that you'd open their hearts, bring them to yourself, For it's in Christ's name I pray, amen.